The EC Podcast exists to equip believers to make disciples and love others for the glory of Jesus Christ. My name is Bobby Payne, and welcome to episode number 22, where our topic today is faith without works is dead. Gentlemen, welcome back. I've got with me today Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and Pastor Gary Singleton. Good to be with you, man. Good to be back. It's Reformation Day, too. It is. Happy Reformation Day. Not when you are listening to this, but when we are recording this. Not you to get to confused. relive it. That's right. It's going to be good. And really every day. Yeah. You know, we're always reforming, so separate reformanda. <laughs> there's, there's 95 theses, so we can, you know. We can spread those day, out. Day four, day three by this time. That's right. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about what we're doing today. We're, we're discussing a topic that uh, I feel like is said often, but maybe misunderstood or really not um, taken seriously. Uh, when we say it. And so if one of you'd like to jump in and kind of just get us going here, talking about um, faith without works being dead. Yeah, I think I think when we when we tackle this subject, um, I think all of us, you know, no matter what side of the debate or the thought of where your conclusion comes to, um, I think all of us generally will go to James chapter two. So I think it'd be good if we read that um, James chapter 2, uh, verses 14, you know, all the way to the end in verse 26, it says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone has says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe, and shudder. Do you not, do you want to be known, you foolish person, that, I'm sorry, I just butchered that. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not, father, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Thank you for that. Um, So let's go ahead and start start peeling this back because it seems like there's some layers here um, that we can take a look at. So let's just take it one step at a time with some issues that we might be coming across here as we read this uh, and hopefully get a better understanding or clear picture of what this phrase actually means. 
Um, well, first of all, what I would say is uh, someone is saved through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. But it's, uh, in speaking here, um, faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Um, what that means is if someone is truly saved, someone truly has the Holy Spirit dwelling in their heart, there will be works. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we, are, we were created for good works, um, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, we were created for good works. We were uh, meant to do good works. And we will do that if the Holy Spirit indwells in our heart. Um, you can also look at um, uh, Galatians 5.21. Um uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Um, someone will not have fruit of the Spirit, um, uh, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, self-control, uh, faithfulness. Somebody's not going to have that unless the Holy Spirit dwells in their heart. And if somebody has those attributes, they will be uh, 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 performing good works for the Lord. Yeah, all this is a good good thing to, to look at because that's what James is first saying. You have faith and I have works as if the two are completely uh, opposed to each other and one without the other is a viable option, basically. Uh, so you can't, you can't have biblical saving faith that doesn't produce godly works that G just talked about. Uh, and then you can't have works that make you right before God. Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. We say it probably every week we're here at service is our most righteous deeds in and of ourselves are like filthy rags before the Lord. And so those two things, um, you can't separate them and then put them as opposed to one another as equal viable options to be justified before God. Uh, now the faith portion of this is we do have a saving faith that is married with good works, but it's not our good works. It's the good works of Jesus Christ who mm -hmm. was perfectly obedient to the father. So our, our faith is not accompanied by our good works. Our faith is in the person and work of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of, uh, Hebrews 5, 9, which talks about that Jesus um, uh, was, was made perfect by his obedience and became the source of salvation to all who would believe. And so in, the, in, the, in our faith that justifies us before God, we're putting our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And so faith without works is dead. Uh, but we, we need to also understand that our faith is not accompanied by our own righteousness. It's a, it, our faith is in the perfect righteousness of Christ, which then makes us right before God. So as a very foundational statement, we need to understand that those two things, um, aren't on the opposite sides, looking at each other as you, you can have faith and you'll be okay. And you can have works and you'll be okay. No, it's, it's one faith in one God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he has accomplished. So we, so what we're trying to say here, what I think I'm trying to gather here, is that if the works 
are not there, then the faith is in question. Is that yeah, exactly. Is that kind of what's going on? That's right. Okay. That's right. This um, this was actually what Luther called the hinge that the whole entire Reformation, uh, you know, pivoted upon. This was the main um, this was the main objection between Rome and those who would be later known as Protestants. Um, cause Rome would say, and they, and they read that text and, and what a lot of folks will do is they'll say, well, Paul and James were at war with each other. You know, Paul just preached, you know, the, the uselessness of your works and only faith. And James is kind of elevating works here, you know, in spite of faith. So, uh, what, what is the case? And that, that is where a lot of Roman Catholic doctrine comes from. And this is why, um, you know, again, as we say often, it's more, there's a difference more so than just simply they think more of Mary, but they literally have a different gospel. They would say that Christ is sufficient to save, but our works finish that work. And we would, as Protestants, say that that's blasphemous because the work of Jesus Christ alone is sufficient to save. He does not need our cooperation to purchase us, to choose us before the foundation of the world, and to call us salvifically to himself. What happens when we get that call? We come, you know, but that's by the grace of God and our eyes being open to who we are and who our Lord is. But yes, to, to get back, this is where the issue is. But what we would say is um, saving faith is never alone, like you were alluding to, Bobby. Um, if you can be saved and then give, be given in to these examples like when people come to you and have a need and, and you think of what you have, you know, as if it's yours in the first place, you know, well, I can't give because I only have this, you know, rather than meeting the need, then your faith is hypocritical. And, and sadly, I think a lot of the stereotypes that the church carries today is because of a dead faith. Like people call oh, the church is just filled with hypocrites. Why? Because a lot of times we're, we're too caught up in ourselves and what we have rather than what true religion actually is. And that is, you know, reaching out to those in need, the orphan and the widow. All right. It's uh, second Corinthians uh, five 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. Um, the life we once lived, if we're touched by, by God, we are um, again, the Holy spirit dwells within our heart. We are a new creation. Um, we don't, we are, um, that's, that's what will come out of us. Um, God's love, God's, um, patience, kindness, like that's, what's going to come out of us. There will, there will be, uh, a newness to, um, to life. Uh, I, the person I once was is gone. Uh, the Bible says all things have been made new. Um, and that's what, there will be evidence of that is what I'm trying to say. Um, through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, through good works, there will be that as evidence of a new, of a changed heart. And the, where it, where kind of the rubber meets the road for everything is in the two examples, Abraham and Rahab, right? The, what James is helping readers understand helping us understand is their works were what their faith in Christ granted them. And so now they can obey God because faith has brought them to life in Christ. Now, obviously this was before Jesus 
walked the earth, was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. But they believe looking forward to a Savior who would save them. That's why Abraham's a, a representative of faith in Romans chapter 4. And so when Abraham believed what happened, uh, according to uh, what's it, Genesis 15, what, uh, or Genesis 12, and then according to Romans 4, when Abraham believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. And so then that righteousness worked itself out in obedience. And so that obedience, because of the righteousness given to him, because of his faith in God, now he can obey the Father when God calls him to sacrifice Isaac. And he walks all the way up believing, even if I have to sacrifice my son, my God will raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing for Rahab. She, she hid the two spies not not in order to gain God's favor, but because righteousness had already been granted to her account because of faith. And so it's it's the natural reaction. Uh, obedience is the effect of faith. Um, and faith is what justifies you before God. Um, and it's, it's effectiveness works out in the way that you obey and the way that you walk. And so for Abraham, it was it was walking up that mountain. Uh, while his son carried the wood for his own sacrifice. For Rahab, it was uh, hiding those two spies um, within the walls of Jericho. For for us, it is uh, doing that which we could not do until the Lord raised us to life, given a, gave us new eyes to see. It, it's the things that we could not do outside of Christ's righteousness being imputed to us. And so faith then has this effect of, of obedience or, or works. And we have to be careful because, you know, there are other, we'll call them religions for lack of a better word, where uh, works is the main source. Um, and they they focus on the work side of it um, and think that that's what uh, gets them wherever they need to go. And, and, you know, that's why they're knocking on your door and that's why they're screaming at you as you walk to the football game or whatever it may be and they focus on this work side but there's not much faith going on they think that uh, like you were mentioning earlier Johnny they think that that they can do enough and earn enough and do good enough to get to where they ultimately want to be well I mean I think that's where we go wrong and where from the very beginning we went wrong right like even people who would use similar language like we do with like begin with the Mormons, right? You get your own planet depending on how holy you are here. And they're the nicest people in the world. They're about like Canadians kind of um, really, <laughs> really nice people. Um, but the thing about it is, is they have a false gospel. They say Jesus is the, is the spirit brother of Lucifer. You know, they, they just don't have a God that can saved, save. And, and it even goes into people who would be even more like us, especially in their language, but people who um, are more by the rules. You know what I'm saying? More, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like legalistic. Legalistic, thank mm. you. Because what they would say is, oh, you're saved by faith. You know, it's not of yourselves and it's not of your works, but listen, do your works. You know what I mean? And so there's this pressure of not, I'm free to do good works, but... I better do these good works or, you know, I'm not in. And so there, you try to start earning what you couldn't earn in the first place. You know what I mean? So it mixes up the gospel all the way around. And, and so it's super, super sad. And, 
And when you were talking a minute ago, Johnny, it reminded me of the illustration we've heard people give us all the time. Well, you know, people do good things all the time. You know, people who aren't saved do good things all the time. They build a hospital, all these other things. And I would, you know, all of us would stop you right there and say, what's your definition of good? Because if the Bible's true and what the book says, especially in Romans, in regards to our good works and what Jesus said, you know, when he was, when he was confronted and he said, there's only one good, right? And so if you are not in God, there may be common grace things that you do good. Um, but at the same time, all of it is foundational on our own, on our own heart, on our own wants, on our own lusts, on our own ego. And so until we are freed by faith, all of our works are done in vain because they're done out of a heart that hasn't been renewed. And that's the ultimate problem that we see from the biblical worldview and a perspective that places faith as what then produces obedience and good works is people who do quote unquote good to their neighbor, like the example that James is also giving someone that's poor and needy needing clothing, you know, unfortunately a lot of us are on this other side, but let's go with this side that we're talking about for a minute that do clothe them and do uh, provide for them and do good things for them. What good is it to fill a belly to send them to hell for eternity? Mm-hmm. What good is it to close someone if they'll spend eternity separated from Christ? What, what good does that do if that's all that good works are? And so if good works, uh, that's the unfortunate part. If you see that as what will make you right before God, then the reason that you're giving to someone is not so that God will be glorified, but that so you, so that you will be glorified, so that your standing is uplifted, so that God might have favor on you, and so the only good you're doing is nothing, because you're just clothing someone for an ultimate destiny that's apart from Christ, and then you're trying to uplift yourself instead of the Savior, and that's why uh, we have to have faith along with works that proceed from what faith causes in our heart. It's, it's a very pharisaical approach mm-hmm. to that. Exactly. Yeah, right. uh, so it, it, I want to read this um, from Ephesians. We love this verse. We've said it multiple times. I just want to read it again. It's, a, it's in chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift from God, not a, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And we say that a lot, and we say that, that the works aren't going to save you um, and especially your works so that you can't boast about yourself, but your boast is in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I just, that kind of just popped up as I was, as I was going through here today, um, thinking about what we're talking about. So we've seen a lot of issues here. Um, and we've given a few pretty simple examples as far as, um, what faith without works looks like or what works without faith looks like. And so let's, Let's start moving to the response that we need to have to this and, and how we need to focus or point our directions towards uh, a better understanding. Uh, that way we don't fall into the trap of doing just one or the other, but seeing them you know, inclusive as opposed to exclusive from one another. Um, well, I'll just start it off with um, the gospel really um, is you know the first thing in the gospel is to know... Um, your depravity, that you are uh, lost, that you 
that nothing that you do, like Aaron and Johnny have been saying, nothing that you do, not your, none of your works are good enough uh, to get you into heaven. Uh, nothing that you do. The Bible's, Bible in Romans chapter 3 st- says specifically, no one is good, no, not one. Um, that means no one is good. Uh, and that's, t- that's tough to take, right? It, because... Our lives revolve around a job performance. Basically, everything is a job performance for us. Right. Um, I mean, it's just real quick, um, go through this because I think it's very important that we all understand that, um, like Aaron, my brother just said, um, what standard are you using when you say, well, well, this person has done this, this person has uh, built a hospital, this person has... Um, visits uh, the elderly um, you know there's plenty plenty of people um, when I was talking about earlier you know there's plenty of people who believe the wrong thing um, but they can do the right thing uh, there's plenty of people out there but the right thing uh, but the right thing according to us human beings uh, not according to God's standard God's standard is no one none is righteous no not one no one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their past are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So what are you saying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> not obvious, right? No, so that's, that, and that's all of us. All of us Amen. are that way. So that's, I would say that's the first thing we need to understand. Yeah, and what we, what we need to work from there is on, I think on our side, especially where we can fall into, is we, we get lazy uh, sometimes with how this works itself out. And it's good because we want, we want to believe what the Bible says about who we are. We want to exalt the name of Jesus, but sometimes in doing that, we then back away and just go, well, faith alone in Christ alone by grace alone. And that's it. And we, we look at our brother who needs a coat and say, I'll be praying for you, go and be filled, whatever it is. And, and that's what we need to be spurred on by. We once were these people who were dead in our trespasses and sins. We once were people who were, you know, full of shame and iniquity, but God being rich and merciful brought us to life. That should, that should be the foundation for good work uh, because we want to be the people in Matthew five that are a city on a hill, the light of the world, you know, uh, the salt of the earth. And so we want to go and, we want to do good works before men so that they will see our good deeds and glorify our father in heaven. It changes the, the goal and the fruit, uh, because if the goal is glorifying Jesus, it'll change the, not just what you do, but the way you do it. And so now my feeding of the poor is I do care about you holistically. I want you to live, but I I want you to live. I want you to know uh, the gospel. I want you to know the truth. I want you to know this. Uh, I don't just want you to have a full belly until you die and spend eternity away from 
from uh, all that is good. I want you to to have life and life abundantly in, in the name of Jesus. And so we go and we proclaim in word and deed the gospel truth. And so it's changing not just not just what we do, but then but also how we do it. Amen. I, I mean that's that's all so good and so important to this discussion. And I I want to go back and then so we can move forward into where you were leading us, Bobby, to to just the fact that you know so often in church what we see sadly is a great deal of those who darken the door of the church who never lift a finger in service and they're never really convicted about that you know like church just becomes something else that we consume and we have rather than taking our lead by the scriptures churches have now become more consumer driven more so than biblically driven you know and and we've seen and we're we're bearing the fruit because of that change in a mentality and and what we always talk about here is if someone wants to be a deacon or or in service or doing anything at the church and they won't stay after and sweep like those are the people who you don't you don't want in service they need they need to learn they need to go back and see the gospel they need to understand it, it goes back to the whole um submission and the, and all those terms in the scripture that we find difficulty with if you find ser- service difficult or beneath you, then you don't understand your Father in heaven and what he did through his son Jesus. Because if he can come and wash feet, there should be nothing that's beneath you. I and mean, we're not even got to the cross yet, right? You don't know the gospel if service is beneath you. Like, because all these things that we do, all that we withstand, all that we run through, whether it's a furnace, a lion's den, a, a prison in the Middle East, Whatever it is, we do so joyfully, understanding that we do so in the name of Jesus. And so it goes back to what G said and into what Johnny said. Like, we must accept the gospel. We must know the gospel. We must be set free. And when we understand what our Father has done through, through Jesus for us, then that frees us to be that servant who meets needs in the name of Jesus and then sees more than bellies filled but also sees lives lives transformed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. While we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Um, There is uh, no greater love than this, than to lay one's life down for a friend. Like that, that's what Christ has done for us. Um, You know, like I was reading Romans chapter three, that no one is good. Isaiah 64, 6 also says anything that we even think is good is as polluted garment. Um, but there is hope, right, in Christ Jesus. Um, that my uh, favorite um, my favorite verse of all time, you know, we, we, uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, right? <laughs> following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, uh, the, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, um, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our uh, desires and flesh, uh, of the body and the mind, and and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, there it is, <laughs> being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead. And our trespasses and sins made us alive together with Christ. And this is what I want you to get. 
By grace you have been saved. By grace. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it is a work of God. And so um, to say, to belittle that in any way, shape or form, when God is indwelling in your heart, there will be good works. You are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I made a mistake uh, earlier by saying it was 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Um, I thought you were going with the w, double imputation verse. Which nah. <laughs> verse 21. So my bad on that. Yeah, I, I, I got them mixed up. But, uh, uh, I don't know how you could. There's only like... You know. <laughs> Like 33,000 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together, Chief. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But, no, bottom line, you know, that's that's the gospel. Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, was crushed for our iniquities, right? By his wounds we are healed. Like he, he died for us. He was buried, Right? Three days later rose from the dead and then ascended on high and is at the right hand of the Father right now interceding on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And for us to repent and believe in him, that is the gospel. So one of the big things about how this fleshes out for us is think about how, you know, Bobby even kind of said it before, we're very performance-based and, and we all battle that we want to reach a point in life where the things that we do kind of fizzle out while everyone serves us. And this is basically what the disciples were looking for in Christ. And he goes, look, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And the greatest among you. Yeah. Right. right. And he says, look, that's what you need to do. And this is, and then this is what Paul echoes in Philippians too, when he says, have this mind among yourselves. And I love this, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have the mind of Christ, which lays down self for the sake of loving and serving others. And, you know, I was kind of having a conversation today at lunch with a, a couple that's about to join our church. They're asking kind of, you know, what, what kind of church exactly are we in regards to evangelism and discipleship? And I said, look, we, our church exists to serve one another. Like that's the, we want to serve one another so that we can each individually go out into our community and proclaim the gospel. I said evangelism happens better when a bunch of people who are equipped by the body serving uh, and helping one another. When we go out, we reach a lot more people than we could ever collect here. And, and so that's what we need to understand is service is not um, an option for those in Christ. It's the mind we have. We've been granted. It's so it's not like, okay, so you know, if I'm, if I'm not serving, how does that work into if I'm saved or not? Does this make me good enough or not? It's no, you've been given a mind that wasn't your mind. It's been given to you in Christ. And so that mind then says, uh, self is not as important as my neighbor, my family member, whatever it might be. I'm going to lay down my own interest for their interest. I'm going to love and serve them. This is what's going to be our common goal. It's going to be what we do we lay, we, we lay down our own lives for the sake of others loving and knowing Jesus. And if that means we give them a meal, we give them a meal. If it means they need some clothes, we get them some clothes. Uh, the, we care about people holistically because 
God cares about people holistically. Jesus came uh, not to be served, but to serve. I think, and I think what we're trying to say, and we've said it multiple ways, is that the the service and the works is a free flowing result of true faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. It's not. It shouldn't be forced. That's yeah. You know, like, and that, I think it's something that's very interesting. You know, with, with like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, like you were talking about, Pastor, is like it. It just they don't even have to think about it because it's like this is what you do when you graduate high school. You're going on mission, and we we need to fi- find out not how to force, but why isn't that mind among our mm-hmm. our children that says instead of going and getting a degree, I'll take a gap year. You know, I want I want the peoples of the world to know Jesus, and you know I'm thinking about this in my own life. How how could why do people that have a false gospel care more about reaching people than people who have the true one? And if it's not flowing naturally, like maybe there is a disconnect and we, we, you know, we need to honestly consider that, that, okay. Yeah. Faith without works is, is dead. So as we're wrapping things up, um, gentlemen, you have any other final thoughts? Uh, I think we've, we've kind of rode this thing pretty solid as far as, as making a point uh, for our discussion today, but any final thoughts from the panel? Yeah, I, I would just encourage people to think and to understand that the battle of the flesh continues on, right? Um, this isn't something that you're going to arrive at perfectly this side of heaven, but the fact that if you struggle in this area, it's most assuredly evidence that there's life within you, you know, because if you're dead, you don't care. I mean, you don't, you, you're just living for you and that's it. And, and you're dead. You don't care about if you're pleasing God or not. So, you know, investigate, you know, look at the tree, ask God to reveal to you within, within your heart by his grace, what there is that you need to, to live a life of faithfulness and serving him. But also if, you know, if you've been saved for a while, um, you know, and you, and you've fallen into a rut, which, which is something we can all do. Um, ask God to show you different areas where you can get involved in. Because I think another mistake that we make is, well, I'm not really skilled in this area or I'm not skilled in that area. And then what you want to say sarcastically is, and you're just saying you don't need faith to work there, right? Like, well, without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? Who 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 are we leaning on when we do those things that we can't accomplish on our own? the one who is the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith. So we're not in a bad place, you know, when we're in uncharted territory because we're leaning on our Savior. So, you know, just because God brings you to a place that's uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that he won't take you through and bless you and work in a way where his kingdom is magnified and his name is glorified. Yeah, I think a lot of the times our our Christian culture believes a lie that, um, what is right and what is the will of God will always be accompanied by this serenity of mm-hmm. peace. You know, like it'll just be easy and easy going. I want to be like, have you read uh, in second Corinthians when Paul's like, I have a thorn in my flesh. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and so if peace was what he was looking for, for it to be God's will, he would have never been satisfied. But instead the thorn in the flesh was okay because God's grace was sufficient and his power was made perfect in his weakness. And so we need to look for that, the sufficientness of, I don't know if that's a word, 
sufficiency is better, I think. Uh, Sufficiency, yeah. Um, We make up new words here, and it's good. Uh, The sufficiency of God's grace uh, to go forward where we might not be comfortable is a good place to go. My my last thought is uh, be wary of being the church of Ephesus in Revelation where Jesus is writing them, and they're doing a lot of, one, it's again, quote-unquote, great things. Uh, they're distancing themselves from evil. They're calling out false teachers. But he says, I have this one thing against you. You've abandoned your first love. And he says, repent and do the good works that you were doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like I lo- So once again, they were doing good things, but they weren't good because they weren't rooted in their first love. And so we need that first love to produce our good works. And so that would be my encouragement is as a Christian, uh, don't disconnect the two things, um, but understand that it's faith alone in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, that's going to produce a good works that for one will be good for those that benefit from it, but then it'll also most importantly be glorifying to God in heaven. Amen. And I just want to add real quick. Um, it was a while, a while ago, um, one of my, it was a, a sermon, um, about serving and the thing is if you don't know where to serve try like just um plug in somewhere um i've been through uh several different ministries g um, just did his first uh, sunday in kids ministry yeah today. like my, my seven year old was pumped about it she told me all about it <laughs> so she was she did pretty good today. um but she had some good questions i i <laughs> I um I'm just in, want to encourage you that if you are struggling like Pastor Aaron is saying, uh, that's a good like, praise God, that's the Holy Spirit urging you to do something. So I would say try. Uh, you don't you never know where, where you end up, and I, I I assure you you will end up where God wants you to end up. It reminds me of Jonah, right? that's what i was thinking of when both of you were talking i mean god's purposes and his will will be done you know he'll take you by whale or you can go willingly like paul but either way his will will be done so it's best to submit to it now while there's still time while the light is being is still being able to be seen submit to christ go live for him and and Live for something above yourself, something that's eternal, and that's our the glory of our King. Yeah, and, and maybe it's a different topic, but it kind it kind of goes along with this. But when we're when we're struggling with serving because we we don't know if if our strengths fit, if you only do what you're strengthened for, quote unquote, then where is like God's grace that's given you that? Where like where are you going to boast in Him? Or if it's just like, man, I was that was a good lesson today because I'm a good teacher, like or you know whatever it might be, you can go down the line. What, what are you relying on to fulfill uh, the commands that God has given to the church? And that, that would be ultimately where this faith and works comes uh, to a head. Grace alone. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for today. Um, and I hope you as a listener was challenged or were challenged uh, with the information and, and can take this information to help uh, as you continue on through your days. Um, Pastor Jonathan, will you close us out in prayer, please? Absolutely. Father God, again, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Uh, We know we do not deserve it. And 
God, we thank you for your word that tells us that we could not earn it. But we thank you so much that, um, as has been said today, and as is said in your word, that while we were still sinners at the right time, your son Jesus died for the ungodly. And we thank you that even in our rebellion, while we were still rebels, you came all the way to us. I pray that that gives us the confidence and the boldness, the grace that we need to go and do what you've called us to do. Um, help us to remember the, the mind that you have given us in Jesus Christ uh, so that we can count others as more significant than ourselves. And God, I thank you so much for this time, this podcast. Um, I thank you so much for all that you are doing. Most of all, we thank you for uh, the gospel. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who lived the life we could not live and died the death that we deserved in our place, who rose victoriously from the grave and is seated at your right hand, making intercession for the saints. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the EC Podcast. If you do not have a church family, you can join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. If you are outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.